Um, welcome again, and particularly welcome to those maybe who might have just joined us for the second session. So what we've been doing, uh, young people, brethren sisters, in the first session is to consider the life of uh, King Asa. And what I've really tried to do is to, wh whatever your age, your teenage years, that the, the, the challenges and the issues that uh, King Asa experienced in his life and how in his early years he tried to put God first is something that I really want us to translate into our lives, whatever our age. If you are struggling with choices and decisions of, of, of life, if you're struggling with uh, um, potential uh, habits that you find difficult to, to control, whatever it is, there is something here for you. And so that in our studies together, you can see these beautiful examples in the lives of men and women of old and to see that they are so relevant, so relevant uh, for us in the 21st century. So this King uh, Asa, who is the great-great-grandson uh, of uh, King David, you remember? We have David and Solomon, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, um, sorry, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asa. So Asa is the great-great-grandson of uh, the great King David. And he comes to the throne, and things are going quite well, as we said in our first subject, first uh, title. And in 1, King, 1 Chronicles chapter 15, we pick the record up again, verse uh, 1, and the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And we said that the word, the name Azariah means Yah has helped. And it was quite um, important because this, after this great battle, God sends a man whose name is Azariah. Yah has helped. And God is saying to him, look, I've helped you. I've helped you. And that's maybe important also in our lives to remember that God has helped us, God is helping us, and he will help us if we are faithful. And we said that, uh, we won't look at it now, but in the, um, the prophet Azariah quotes 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 7, 8, and 9, and he quotes the words of David that Solomon should be looking and seeking for God. So we'll move on then through the life of King Asa. So his main, his prime objective is to encourage the people back to God. And I think it really culminates in chapter 14 and verse 4. He called the people, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments. And he's quoting Exodus chapter 24 and verse 12, the words that God spoke to Moses that the people should seek God and keep his law and commandments. So in a nutshell then, Asa is saying to the people, put God first in everything that you do. And God will bless you. God will encourage you. And God sends Azariah, whose name means helped, for that extra bit of encouragement. That's lovely. So with that in mind then, 
Let's continue and see what else did King Asa do in his trying to encourage the people, in seeking God. Verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 15. The words of Azariah continue. Now Asa, for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without a law. And he's looking back, in, back over their history and he's reminding the king that, look, things weren't, weren't always as good as this. You've just been victorious in, in defeating the largest um, given number of, of any soldiers in the whole of the scriptures, over a million, a million uh, in uh, 2 Chronicles 14 and verse 9, the largest army. But it wasn't always as good as this, spiritually. But when, verse 4, they, in their trouble, did turn upon the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them, seeking for God. That's the theme. And then he goes back further in history. And in those times, there was no peace. And he seems to be making a lovely comparison between the early verses of chapter 14, well, throughout the chapter, quietness, rest, peace. And in those times, there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in but great vexations upon, were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. A nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. And did you notice something in verse 5 and verse 6? Did you notice that what's going on in the nations round about God's people is almost a reflection, a mirror as to what's going on in Israel at that time. Notice again, the civil unrest, the, 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 the lack of godliness. Verse 5, in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And I think that countries is actually Israel. A nation was destroyed of nation and city of city. Notice what's happening there. In verse 5, it talks about vexations amongst the countries, which is actually the land mass of Israel, from my, from my understanding. And then it goes. To what's happening in Israel, vexation, no peace, verse 5. And then it points you to the nations. And nation was destroyed of nation. Beaten, my margin says. And city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Now it seems to me that in verse 5 and verse 6, we have a sort of mirror. Vexation, destruction, turmoil in God's land, 
And as a result, it would spill over, as it were, in verse 6, to other nations. Now there is a, a verse which is the opposite to that in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, and a good one to be thinking about is that we must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because in that peace, there will be worldwide peace. Almost like when you throw a stone into a, a still pond, a mill pond, and you throw it into the center, and the ripples of that pond go out to the uttermost parts of that mill pond, that still pond. And so the peace, and so when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we know that in that peace, there is everlasting peace for the whole world. And then he quotes again in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 6. He quotes again the words of David for his son Solomon. Be ye strong. In, in the Chronicles record, it says, if he be constant. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak. For the Lord your God shall be, re sh the Lord your God shall be your reward for your work shall be rewarded and that's such an encouragement isn't it young people if we put our hands to the work in the things of god if we make that commitment if we seek god with all our hearts then we will be blessed we will be blessed because God is guiding us and, and directing us in all our ways. But did you notice something else? In chapter 15 and verse 1, God sends, as we said, Azariah. God will always send us help. It might come in different ways, different individuals. God will send us help to strengthen us and encourage us and to give us those things that are necessary so that we can be spurred on. So if you are concerned, if you're worried, look for those people that might help. Commit it to prayer and know that God will bless you. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, so God sends another prophet, Oded. The first prophet he says, he sends, is Azariah. Yah has helped. And then he sends him another prophet whose name is Oded to encourage him. Oded, his name means setting up. Setting up. Azariah means Yara's helped. Oded means setting up. He's saying to Asa, I'm going to, if you serve me, I'm going to set you up as, and establish you. As a king, it also means restorer. And that's lovely, isn't it? That God would send a restorer 
to give the message of encouragement for Asa. Isn't that beautiful? And God can do that for you and me. He can send a restorer in our lives. But actually, ultimately, the restorer is the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? He is the ultimate example of the restorer of all things. And when we see on the news, listen to the radios, watch the TV, and we see the state of the world and, oh, how we need a restorer to restore Eden, to bring about the kingdom that it might be established on earth. And we must never, ever lose sight of that, young people. We want the restorer of all things. He took courage. And when Asa heard these words of the prophecy, even of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin. Hang on a minute. We, um, well, you, it's good, isn't it, to, to ask questions. Somebody once said to me, never read more than three verses without asking yourselves at least one question. So the question is this. Why is it that in verse 8 of, of chapter 15, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin? Well, in, in our first talk in chapter 1, we're told that he did just that. Verse 3, for he took away, saw in the Hebrew, it means to pluck away. He took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down. Shabar, to burst, we said. And cut down. Gada, cut down, destroy. So in chapter 15, in the midst of this spiritual reformation, the idols are back again. That's what I deduce from those few verses, don't you? Well, maybe that is a lesson for ourselves. I think it might have been Brother Stephen Whitehouse uh, who spoke earlier, a little while ago, on the giants. Or was it Brother Luke? The giants in our lives tend to resurrect themselves. Have you noticed? The habits that we might have done prior to baptism, if we're not careful, they resurrect themselves and settle down back in our lives. Thank you very much. Which he had. Abominable idols out of verse 8, out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Renewing the altar of the Lord. This is a, maybe a time of spiritual renewal. The opportunities that we have whilst the lockdown is taking place to use our time wisely. A renewal. He renewed the altar of the Lord. 
He makes a vow, he makes a promise. Now, this, this is interesting. Don't keep a marker there in the context of him renewing the altar, repairing the altar, building it up again, reestablishing it. Renewed the altar. Come across, please, to Joel. The, the prophet Joel in chapter 3. This is a, a, a verse which talks about repair again. The Lord, Joel 3.16, The Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people. My margin says, the Lord will be a place of repair or harbor. A place of repair. You know what is wonderful, young people, is that to spend our energies and our time, particularly over this lockdown period in gathering together around our, our um, laptops or iPads to, for CYC, and all the activities that, go, that are going on there, Bible quizzes, and, and so on and so forth. Do you know, when the world is filled with fear, anxiety, stress, I, I guess, don't misunderstand me, we all feel from time to time fear and anxiety and stress because we are made of the same stuff, you and I. But the difference is, the more we read, the more we understand, we see that actually at CYC, at Sunday school, at Bible class, the memorial service, whatever these things are, they repair us, you know. They repair us. And so often I have found, and I'm sure many of you have found the same, if we have a, a problem or an issue or something that troubles us, that maybe even causes us to lose sleep, you know? And then we do the daily readings for that day. And wow, we find that the answer's there. And we would have missed the answer in the daily readings if we didn't do the daily readings. Because God's word is the thing that ultimately repairs us, doesn't it? The Apostle Paul says, you will recall to the elders at Ephesus, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. That's what builds us up, you know, is God's word day by day. So let's not lose sight of that. God has given us everything necessary to get us through these things. Have no doubt. And have no fear. A place of repair or harbour. You know a harbour? When the ship comes in to the harbour. The harbour would protect it from the storm. A place of repair. And the anchor is there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is the anchor to the soul, which is both sure and steadfast, the anchor which is there. Oh, on the ship there is a captain too. 
the captain of our salvation, Hebrews tells us. And then we're, we're repaired through the reading of God's word and we take on fresh provisions, the Bible readings, the fresh water, the living water. Oh, but you see, the whole idea about having a ship is not going to stay, stay in the harbour. That's not, that's not why you, you build a ship. It has to go out and face the elements and face the storms of life. Oh, but God's place of repair is found through his, his holy word. That is the point. And so we come back to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. There he is. He's, re he's renewed the altar of the Lord. Maybe it was, well, not used anymore. Not seriously anyway, because we're told round about this time there was still great idolatry. No time for the true and living God in sincerity and truth worship. Oh no. It was out of use. But he noticed something else. In, in chapter 14, it is the time of fighting those physical battles against the Ethiopian and the Lubims. And chapter 15 is rather different. Chapter 15 now is dealing with things a little nearer home. David would go out and defeat many Philistines in battle. Oh, but sadly, he lost a different sort of war when he saw the woman washing herself. And he failed in that war. For us now, it is the war, the warfare of the mind. Oh, that's hard. And so he deals and tries to, but he's not alone in verse 9. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin there. It is again, this lovely, lovely coalition the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, he gathered all Judah. The word gathered there is the Hebrew word kabat. It means to grasp, to collect. Young people, do you know something? Your CYC leaders, those who have graciously organized with all their computer skills in having CYC online, Sunday school online, uh, quizzes online, Bible readings online, exhortations online, lectures online, study days online, Bible schools online. Do you know what they're doing? They're doing just that. Gathered. Kalbats. To grasp. To collect. They're collecting you and me. So that in this world of madness, that none of you are lost. They're gathering you. The arranging brethren. They're, they're doing the best they can prayerfully in kabats. Grasping at you so that no one is lost. No young one. No CYC leader, 
No Sunday school teacher. No Sunday school scholar. No CYC scholar. That you're not lost. And they're grasping to collect. That's what the word is. To collect you. Isn't that beautiful? And he grasped, collected all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them. Oh, strangers is usually people who are, people who have joined themselves. Proselyte Jews, if you like, perhaps. And the strangers with them out of Ephraim. Or is it strangers in the sense of people who were from beyond the border, <laughs> from Ephraim and Manasseh, people from, who were from, from up north, they had, he says, come, 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 please, come down. Let's get back to true worship. Do you know in, in all the, the kings of Israel, Jeroboam, Nadab, Basha, Elah, Zimri, Omri, Ahab, Ahab, right down to Hoshea, not one good king, not one of them, not one. And so he says to the people in the northern territories, come down. Hezekiah did the same, you know, if we had time, we could look at that. Hezekiah did that. If those of you who are making notes, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 11 and verse 18, where Hezekiah invites them to come. Oh, and those who didn't turn up, by the way, a few years later, the, uh, the Assyrians came and took all Israel away. Should have heeded the call, you see, should have listened. Verse 9, and he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance. And you can just imagine the people up north in Israel saying, oh, I'll tell you, we, we, we've had enough of these kings in Israel. Not one good king, not one of them. All idolatry. Started off with Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Remember, he made two calves, put one in Dan, one in Bethel, so they couldn't go and worship the true God. Remember that? And they said, well, we've had enough of this, this idol, idol worship. We're going, we're, we're going down south. We're going to um, listen to King Asa. We hear there's great things going on there. So they go, and they get back to the true worship. When they saw the Lord, his God was with him. Verse 9, end of verse 9. So they see that this man's incredibly well blessed. He's telling everybody to seek God, seek God, seek God. And he, he sought the Lord. And you see what happens? He, he's attracting other people. He's attracting the right sort of people young people are you attracting the right sort of person at school at college maybe thinking about university the friends that you have are they encouraging you to go to cyc or Bible schools? Or are they trying to dissuade you? Do they have the wrong sort of language? 
do they say jokes which you know the Lord wouldn't want you to hear or to say? Are you attracting the right sort of person or the wrong sort of person by the way you choose to dress? It's important, isn't it, to have friends in the meeting, that they will encourage you and be with you as we walk toward the kingdom together. So they gathered themselves together. Isn't that nice? Notice that. Verse 9, he gathered all Judah. Verse 10, they gathered themselves. It was a two-way thing now. Notice his influence. He gathered them, showed them the example, and then they, they gathered themselves. That's what you want, isn't it? In CYC, because actually, you young people, if the Lord remains away, one day you'll be leading CYC. One day if the Lord remains away and you get baptized, you, you, you'll be, be teaching Sunday school. Great way to start to talk about the things of God and to teach the young ones. And you know, the more you teach, the more you learn yourself. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. So it's been five years since the war in chapter 14 until now. Ten years he had rest. So the battle continues. He didn't just say, well, we, we, we've defeated the, uh, the Ethiopians and the, and the Libyans so we can put our feet up. Oh, no. Because there was a greater danger. The danger of apathy. That means when we, we sort of relax and we take our eye off the ball. We take our eye off the horizon. And, we, and we, we live in consummate ease and everything is fine and no problems to keep us on our knees. And that's how the Lord works sometimes, young people. He brings challenges in our lives to keep us on our knees in prayer so that we want the kingdom more than anything else. Verse 11 of 2 Chronicles 15. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. Here come our watch for it words again. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord of their fathers with their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. What? No. Hey. Think of it. What, what is the lesson here? If, if, if you don't seek the Lord in the days of King Asa, you're going to be put to death? No, we, we, we wouldn't be as drastic, drastic as that. Have no fear. But maybe the lesson is this, young people. The lesson was true then, and it is as true today as it was then. Serving the Lord 
in the 21st century is a matter of life and death. It is just that, a matter of life and death. To serve God, it is life. Not to serve him is death. Not my words. Peter says something else in the New Testament when Jesus says to the disciples, will you all also go away? Will you also leave and not follow me anymore? What does Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. In other words, Peter is saying, Lord, we can't go anywhere else. Excuse me, Lord? You are the only way. You are the only answer. You are the way to life. Lord, to whom shall we go? There's nowhere else to go. The only truth and the only way and the only life is you, Lord. Isn't that lovely? 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 13, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. See, God is no respecter of persons. In other words, no matter who you are, what culture, what background, what nationality, it doesn't matter. Man or woman, doesn't matter. God is no respecter of persons. We're either serving God or we're not serving God. Now, if the Lord remains away, young people, and when you mature, and if the Lord sees fit, and if he blesses you, and you maybe have a family of your own. There are things that you will need, particularly you young men, to ensure that you implement, that you put, that you place in your homes. Bible reading. When you will gather, gather, kabat, when you will gather your family around God's word. When you will grasp for your children's spiritual growth. Because you will understand as a mature husband and a mature wife you will understand that it will be a matter of life and death. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him, seek him with their whole desire. And he was found of them. Those words being fulfilled in 1 Chronicles 28, in the days of Solomon, David speaking to Solomon. And he's quoting in chapter, he's quoting right at the beginning of the chapter, notice, 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 2. The Lord is with you while you be with him, and if ye seek him, he will be found of you. And the chapter concludes quite fittingly. Verse 15, 
And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, and they that sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Maacah, the mother of Asa, the king, he, or the grandmother of Asa, his grandmother, she had an idol. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. The battle was no longer on the battlefield against the soldiers. The battle was in his own home, in his own family. That's a lesson to young people. Do you remember the occasion, and now this is Sunday school stuff, do you remember the occasion in Exodus chapter 32 when Moses was in the mount receiving the Ten Commandments? And Moses says, uh, uh, um, God says to Moses, the people have made, a, made a, a golden calf, made an idol, and Moses on the way down with the two tables of stone tucked under his arms, and the first person he meets is Joshua. Remember Joshua went up part way to the mount as well and he's, he's waiting for him for 40 days and uh, Joshua meets Moses on the way down and Joshua says I, I hear the, the, the noise of war in the camp and Moses says no it is not the war it is not the noise of war you hear it is the noise of immorality. And Joshua would learn that sometimes the battles have to be fought from within. So he destroys his grandmother's idol. Verse 18, and he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and the, that which of himself had dedicated, the silver and the gold and the vessels. So all these huge things that he had gathered, he dedicates it to God. And there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of King Asa. For many years later, there was peace in the land. Peace in the land. In the life of Asa, it's what you might call a life of two halves. He started off incredibly well. Let's see where he went wrong. Not to, to criticize or to point the finger or to compare ourselves with Asa, but to learn because these things were written so we might learn so so where did he go wrong what is the lesson for us what is the lesson for you as young people in the 21st century what is your the lesson in the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of asa baasha king of israel came up against judah and built rama to, to the intent 
that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. So his frontiers now have been threatened from the king of Israel. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying. So what's happening here is this. The northern kingdom, kingdom of Israel, their king at that time, remember we said the kings, remember it's, um, we had um, Jeroboam, Nadab, Baasha. So it's King Baasha, the third king. He uh, takes a, a strong dislike to the king down south, um, King Asa in Judah. And uh, he's on the border and he's building things. He's threatening. You know what King Asa does? He tries to buy his way out of the problem. He tries to work the problem out for himself. You know what he does? The same silver and the gold, the, the treasures that he had given to God, dedicated for the service of God, you know what he did? <laughs> he takes it back. And he gives it to the king of Syria. He wants to buy his way out of the problem. He says to the king of, uh, of Syria, uh, look, uh, I've got some problems up north. Um, king Baasha, don't think much of him. So have some gold, have some silver, have all, all these treasures, and uh, you can be on my side. <laughs> Please. So why didn't you pray about it? He tries to work it out himself. Recipe for disaster, young people. I tell you, recipe for disaster. You got a problem? Take it to God in prayer. That is absolutely essential. Pray about it. Be like Hezekiah who had that poison letter from the Rabshakeh, from Sennacherib, and he, he goes up into the temple and the verse says, he spreads it before the Lord. That's what you got to do. You got a problem? Spread it before the Lord. He tries to, he tries to bribe his way. He tries to buy his way out after the problem. You, you don't want to do that. Don't work it out for yourself. Let God deal with it. And Asa brought out silver and gold, the same silver and gold mentioned in chapter 15 and verse 18. Notice that? He gave it to God. He took it back from God. Is that a lesson for us? Do we sometimes think, well, because we've given it to God, we've got the right to maybe take it back? Ooh. Then Asa brought out silver and gold of, out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus. So he, took, he takes it from the house of God and he takes it from his own house. Huh? He clears his own house out and he, he clears out God's house. He, he, he takes, he steals from God. How do we steal from God? Maybe we don't give him enough time. Maybe we don't give of our energy to him in service for others, perhaps. Please, be on my side. 
And he sent to Ben-Hadad, verse 2, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, and there was, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go, break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. Uh, don't be on Baasha's side, be on my side. He's trying to work it out. He's trying to buy his way out of the problem. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Ajon and Dan and Abel-Meam and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Baasha heard it that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. Oh, well. So this king of Syria, he's a... Uh, he decides to fight against Baasha, the king of north. And Baasha thinks, right, well, I've, I can't afford this, this battle. I better, I better go back home, up north. Then Asa, the king, took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah. So they take and they capture the remain, the building equipment, really expensive stuff. And as he's going home, uh-oh, God sends, sends to him. Prophet number three. <laughs> Prophet number one, chapter two Chronicles 14. Sorry, two Chronicles 15 and uh, verse one. God sends him Azariah. Yara's helped. I've helped you. That's what his name means. Sends him another prophet in uh, verse eight of two Chronicles chapter 15, verse eight. And when Asa heard these words, of the prophet, even of Oded. The word name Oded means restorer or setting up. So God says in, in his early years, I've helped you. I've restored you or set you up to be a great king. Now he sends him a third prophet. And at that time, Hanani, do you know what his name means? It means Yah has been gracious. I've given you so much. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, because you have relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hands. Asa, you, you, you can almost see the tears in, in Hananiah's eyes. Asa, what have you done? You haven't relied on God. You're relying on yourself. That's a very important lesson, isn't it, young people? Do you know God wants us to rely on him. We're not the, now, years and years earlier, in the tenth or so reign of his year, of his reign, he reminds him as to the battle that he had, his first battle, and oh, a million men came against you, your soldiers were outnumbered two to one. And you cried to the Lord. You trusted. You quoted the man from Benjamin. 
Jonathan, you quoted the man from David, uh, for, uh, for Judah, David. You could quote God's word and you put it into practice, Asa. And now, years later, what has happened? You're telling everybody else to seek God, seek God, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. Now, when it comes down to it, when there's a problem, you're not seeking the Lord. And, and, and that's a very important lesson, isn't it? Lesson for me, young people, I tell you. I can spend my life giving Bible talks, exhortations, lectures, Bible schools, telling everybody to seek God, seek God, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. And when the problem comes in my life, I don't seek the Lord. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lesson for the speaker, isn't it? For all speakers, actually. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims, the Libyans, a huge host? In fact, there were probably more in, in the Ethiopian army than there were against the, with the Syrians and Bayasha up north. With very many chariots and horsemen, yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand because you relied on God. Young people, please rely on God. He's the answer. For the eyes of the Lord. Now, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole of, 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 of Chronicles. This is so beautiful. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. What, what a beautiful verse for us. For a memory verse for, for a Sunday school proof. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong to, in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. In the margin it says, in my margin, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth strongly to hold with them. whose heart is perfect. What does that mean? God's, God's eyes are looking, looking to and fro to strongly hold with you, with me. To strongly hold with. So when we're holding on, God is holding on to us. When you can't sleep at night because there's a problem in the home, in the family, a challenge in the ecclesia, whatever it is, a challenge at work, at, at school, at college, whatever it is, God is holding you and he wants you to hold on to him strongly to hold with them hold with them whose heart is perfect toward him because you haven't done that and here's my title herein 
you have done foolishly, Asa. Therefore, from, from now on, you're going to have wars. Oh, that's interesting. That is a, a difference now. The opening years of his reign, rest, rest, quietness, rest, peace, quietness, rest, peace, no war. The land had rest. Now, because you have turned your back on God, I tell you what, things are going to get worse in your life. I need to ask you a question in the few moments we have remaining. Have you ever been angry with God? Have you ever been angry with God because you don't understand why he has allowed something to happen? And you've held it against God. Try not to. He wants you. And he loves you. Asa was told the truth. And it made him angry. And because he was angry. He started to take it out on other people. You've seen that maybe in the playground. I hope you don't see it at CYC. Because we know better, don't we? Then Asa was angry, wroth. He was angry with the seer. He was angry with Hanani, the seer, and put him in a prison house, right? <laughs> what? This man who spent all his life seeking God, seeking God, telling everybody else to seek God, when the prophet comes and tells him the truth, you know what he does? He puts him in prison. He was angry because he didn't like the truth. They say the truth often hurts. He was so angry. He was, he was put in prison. Is that a, a pointer as to what had happened? This king now had become proud. We're told in Deuteronomy, when the king comes to the throne, he was to write the book of the law out. He was to write it out and read it every day of his life that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren. That's Deuteronomy chapter 17, if I recall. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren. We read God's word to keep us humble. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren. Then Asa was angry with, the, with the, the prophet and put him in a prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of, his, because of this thing. How dare you speak to me like that? How dare you give me that message? No. He's angry with God. Hananiah was just a messenger. He's angry with God. For he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed. In his anger, he takes it out on other people. And Asa oppressed. My margin, remember what we said? Bible study, 
in its purest sense, is reading with care, and then from there we investigate further with the Hebrew or the Greek or whatever it is and read around the subject matter. Read with care. And Asa oppressed some of the people, Margin, and Asa crushed, crushed. That's interesting, isn't it? It's a word very similar to those opening verses in the, in, in the first chapter of his reign. Remember what we said? He plucked away, verse 3 of chapter 14, took away, plucked away. He burst, break down. He cut down. In, in, in chapter 14, he cut down the idols. Now he's cutting down his own people. You see what happens when you try and when you take things out on other people? And it shows there is a deep-seated problem here. He oppressed some of the people the same time. So the moment he got the bad news, he started to oppress the people. You know what the word is? He became a tyrant. That's what it is. He was a tyrant because of the truth. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. The man who taught people and exhorted people to seek God, seek God, seek God, he cut down all the images, smashed them to pieces. At the end of his life, do you know what he's doing? He's smashing to, pe to pieces other people, spiritually, throwing them in prison. He's taking it out on them. Do you take things out on other people? Do you take things out on your mom and dad? In this lockdown period, have you told them that you love them? If you haven't, try it tonight. Tell them you love them. And thank them for, for all that. There's probably things going on in their minds that I haven't discussed with you. Work. Or maybe the lack of it. Pay the bills. You don't know. Don't get to tell them you love them. Give them all the encouragement they need. It's difficult times for everyone. For parents too, oh yes. And Asa, verse, 11, uh, verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, remember, first 10 years, amazing. We're now in the, nearly the 40th year. So after 30 years after that, goes downhill. You started it, you gotta finish. Jesus says that in Luke chapter 14, remember? You start building the tower, you've got to finish the job. You got baptized, you started, make sure you're finished. Don't go away, don't leave the truth. And Asa in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet. Diseased in his feet. Diseased in his feet. What's that all about? That's interesting. He 
spent his life telling people to seek God, seek God, seek God. Now he can't walk. That's ironic, isn't it? He was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Maybe it was gangrene, I don't know. This disease was growing, growing, getting higher and higher, first in his toes possibly, then the body of his foot, and it's, he's dying on his feet. And Asa, in the 30 and 90 year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not the Lord. What does that mean? Yet in his disease, he sought not the Lord. That's it. Oh, that's interesting. There's that watch phrase again. There's that watch word in effect. Yet in his disease, he didn't seek God. What is that telling us? You see what happens when you read with care? Yet in his disease. I think that word yet is very important, isn't it? Yet. In other words, it's saying even though he was dying, he was so hungry. He still didn't want to seek God. What am I seeking God for? Look, 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 look what I've, I've ended up. I don't want to seek God. I don't want to seek God anymore. Look what's happened. Didn't do me any good. Even when things were getting worse, he was still angry. You see what, you see what anger does? It makes us blind, doesn't it? Don't, don't be angry. Don't be angry with mom and dad, please. Even when they do things that you might not like. Because if you're angry, it destroys you. Oh, yes. Yet in his disease, he was so angry, so full of pride. Yet in his disease, he didn't seek God, but two physicians. He much preferred to go and see the doctors, the, 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 the physicians. You know, <laughs> do you know what Asa means? It means, wait for it. Physician. A physician in his illness went to see another physician. <laughs> That's ironic, isn't it? And in the New Testament, they would say to Jesus, Physician, heal thyself. Verse 13 And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Wow, 40. What's 40 in the Bible usually representative of? Well, 40 days and 40 nights reigned. Uh, 40 days, uh, 40 years in the wilderness, the children of Israel. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was in the wilderness. The, the, actually, the list goes on. This is Sunday school. So the list goes on. It is a time for learning. Whether you are in a wilderness, whether you are, whether it rained, is a time for learning. 40, 
a time for learning. When the disciples were with the Lord Jesus Christ for that 40-day period before he ascended to heaven, it was a time for learning. What have we learned in the life of Asa? Well, you can start well. You can start brilliantly, but you must finish also. Don't be angry with God. Don't take your anger out on other people. My final verse. And they buried him in his own sepulchre, which he had made. He had prepared to die. He was making preparation. Dug his, dug his own place for, for him to be buried. He was expecting to die. That's a lesson, isn't it? And they buried him in his own sepulchre, which he had made for himself in the city of David, and laid him, and they laid him in the bed which was filled with sweet odors and diverse kinds of spices prepared by the apothecary's art. I've got a question for you. Why all this stuff to smell nice? Maybe because his dead body, it was smelling so badly with the disease that had now filled from his feet upward. And they made a very great burning for him. Maybe that's the lesson and we'll stop there. I've gone over time, but please forgive me. May it be, young people, that in this lockdown period, we seek God and trust him and want to do what is best. Don't be angry. Just trust. Give it to God. He knows best. God will always know best. We will be taken by surprise, but he will never be surprised. Amen. So really, what I want us to do is to think of our situation, whatever our age, uh, early teens particularly, and I need you to understand that whatever the challenges that you are experiencing now, this very interesting time in our lives, you might have many questions, many challenges. You might be suffering from loneliness, from stress, from worry, from concern. What I really want us to do together, please, is to consider this 
life of this man, King Asa. Now we know that in the Bible, that these things were written for our learning. And there are some super lessons that we need to look at, whatever our age. So come with me, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, that the reading that we had. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and Asa his son reigned in his stead. So what we're going to do, somebody once said, uh, good Bible study is to read with care. I, I have no slides, uh, no visual aids, but I really want to encourage you by looking at God's word slowly and carefully because nothing is wasted. Every word, uh, every letter, Hebrew letter is so important. You might be in a situation where you are unsure as to what the future might hold for you. You might be unsure as to the choices that you might make. You, you, you might be going through difficult situations in your home, uh, in your school, when it reopens, in your college, wherever you are, there is important lessons for us. So, Asa, his son, reigned in his stead, and in his days, the land was quiet 10 years. So for the next 10 years of King Asa's reign, there was no war. The first thing to say is, what did he do with those 10 years? It seems as if he had no idea what the future would hold. So he comes to the throne and he knows there are great, there are great tasks ahead of him. Verse 2, and Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. That's so important. He set his mind and his heart in the right place. The scriptures say, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, whilst the evil days come not. Now is the opportunity, young people, brothers and sisters, now is the opportunity to make hay whilst the sun shines. What do I mean by that? It means taking the opportunity and using it. Now, this period of lockdown that we have all experienced and experiencing now, to whatever degree, the point is, what are you doing with this time? This wonderful opportunity. And you know, think about your youth leaders. Think about your arranging brethren. Those brothers and sisters who have you and want to care for you in spiritual ways and see how they have tried their best to use this opportunity, to use these various platforms, whether it's 8x8, Zoom, Skype, GoMeet, the list goes on these days, 
But the point is, we now can use this opportunity in strengthening ourselves and encouraging ourselves in the things of God. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. And he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut the, down the groves. Notice what he does. It's a threefold thing. He took away the altars. He break down the images and cut down the groves. Now remember, for this 10-year period before there was war, he had no idea how long this opportunity would last to reassess, to press the reset button, as it were, for the whole nation. Yes, there was idolatry. He comes to the throne and he's quite literally chomping at the bit to, to get on with the work. Let's read a little closely. He took away the Hebrew word there, sur. It means by force to pluck away. By force, the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the word Hebrew word there, shabar. It means to burst. To burst. To break down, to crush, destroy shabar. He break down the images and cut down. Hebrew word gada. It means to cut down quite literally. So he took away, he break down, and he cut down. Now, let's try and make this not merely a study for study's sake. Not merely trying to make parallels between this life of this man Asa and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are the parallels in our lives? We don't know how long this lockdown will really last. It will vary from area to area, country to country, actually. But he used the opportunity to set his life in order. This is an opportunity to be grasped. And he did it so that others in his kingdom could benefit. And that's so important. And those brothers and sisters who are encouraging us and guiding us and, and leading us as, as young people to put these things into practice, have, have, you, have you prayed for them, young people? Have you thought about in our spare time? And we all have spare time, let's be honest about it. We always seem to find the time to do the things that we want to do, no matter how busy we are. Try writing a letter to the arranging brethren, you young people, to, to thank them. You know, so often we, we write a letter to the arranging brethren, maybe because there's a concern, there's a problem, maybe we might be unhappy about something. But how, how, about, a, how about a little card to encourage them? I'll tell you what, it's, all a, it's a learning process. It's a learning process for me, trying to work out all this electrical equipment. It's a challenge, isn't it? But how, 
about a little, a little card, a, a little letter? Not, not a text, a letter. You know, these days when you write a letter it, and, it, and it comes through the post, it means so much more than a quick text. That's just a thought. And commanded Judah to seek the Lord. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments. Now, obviously, just prior to Asa coming to the throne, there was idolatry. We know that from verse 3. He broke down the images, cut down the groves, took away the strange gods. So he comes to the, to the kingdom, he comes to rule, when the nation was really very much at odds with the things of God. There were, there were a lot of people worshipping idols. And in verse 4, he says something that is so, so encouraging, so amazing. He tells them, he commands Judah to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. It's there in verse 4. Verse 7, we have sought the Lord. That's so important. It's there in chapter 15, verse 2. Seek him. Chapter 15 and verse 12. Seek the Lord. Chapter 15, verse 13. Seek the Lord. Chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 15. Sought him. Chapter 15 and verse 4. Sought him. So when you look at the life of Asa, he possibly, more than anybody else, tells people to seek the Lord. Jesus says that, doesn't he? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So wh whatever your worries, whatever your concerns, wh whatever level, it might simply be, well, what am I going to choose as my subject? Possibly when I'm at school, I feel lonely. People I haven't got many friends. Whatever it is, just put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Put God first. Just put God first and leave him to do the rest for you. That's lovely, isn't it? Whatever your challenge, whatever your fears, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Put God first and let him do the rest. Now, that, that is, that's got to be encouraging, isn't it? Just please, put God first and all these things will be added unto you. God will give you what is best and what is right for you but you must put him first, please. Verse five, uh, verse four, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. All right, so here we have another um, approach to, to Bible study. Where have I heard that phrase before? Where does that come? He could have said many things in this opening phrase, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments. Come back to Exodus chapter 24, please. 
Exodus chapter 24, and we're going in, Exodus 24 and verse 12. Exodus 24, and we're going in at verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and the law and commandments, which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Notice that. Notice that phrase, law and commandments. So God says, come up to me and I'm going to give you, Moses, the law and the commandments so you can give them to the people so that they will know how to live. And isn't it lovely? How Asa, in effect, quotes that, Exodus 24, verse 12. He could have said many things. And as God said to Moses, I want the people to have the law and get back to the things of God. And Asa comes to the throne and he says the same thing. And commanded Judah, we're back in 2 Chronicles 14, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments. That's where it must start. No matter about the images, no matter about the groves, no matter about false worship, He's bringing them right back to square one. To do the law and commandment. So in other words, he's saying, this people, you've got to get back to it. These are all the answers of life. Deuteronomy says, we read it not too long ago, for he is thy life and the length of thy days. Choose life. So Asa knew that the only way he's going to, if you like, resurrect this nation spiritually was to get them back to the law and the commandments. Also, he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images. Now, there's something else I want to say. In this period of lockdown that we are experiencing, Have you made any choices and decisions to take things out of your life, no matter what age you are? Those things that might get in the way in your worship and understanding of God. Those things that might be obstacles in your walk. It might be maybe Spending too much time watching TV, too much time on the internet. Whatever it might be, it's your challenge. I have challenges. We all have challenges. But he used his time wisely. He, you know, as we said, make hay whilst the sun shines. You never see a farmer um, making the hay when it's pouring with rain. It has to be a nice, hot, sunny day so the straw dries and 
it's a good job. But the point is, he used his time wisely. He took away out of all the cities of Judah, the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. Notice that. Verse 1. The land was quiet 10 years in total. End of verse 5. The kingdom was quiet before him. Did he put his feet up? Did he relax? Did he bask in the quietness of the land with his feet up certainly not so what are we using our time that we have on our hands with now are we taking opportunities to just simply watch back-to-back -back films disney catch up on the latest uh, uh, tv soap operas How are we spending our time? How am I spending my time? And the kingdom was quiet before him. And he built fenced cities in Judah. Oh, this is interesting. Because the land is quiet, in other words, there's no war. He's not trying to defend his borders by uh, soldiers attacking. He built fence cities of Judah. For the land had rest. Oh, that's interesting. Verse 1, quiet. Verse 5, quiet. Verse 6, the land had rest. And he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Quiet. Rest peace he had a lot of time on his hands to do what to put his feet up no he built fence cities in judah what are you building what am i building am i using this time to fortify myself spiritually am i reading every day praying every day what am I doing with my time? You know, this time of lockdown, it's unprecedented, isn't it? It, it? it may never happen again. Or if not, it's going to go on for a long while. But the point is, how are we using our time? Because the Lord had given him rest, God will give us opportunities. But it's up to us, isn't it, to use that time in service the lord had given him rest therefore he said unto judah let us build so verse 6 and verse 7 shows that because god had given him that opportunity verse 7 says therefore he said unto judah because god has given us this opportunity let's build Therefore, he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Do you know, reading these verses, I don't think for a moment Asa knew 
what was around the corner. He didn't know that in a few verses time or after 10 years, there would be an army who would come against him. All he knew was that he had to use the opportunity in building whilst he had the time. He builds the cities, the gates, the bars, the walls, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, we have looked for God, and he hath given us rest. On every side, there is peace, there is quietness. Did he put his feet up? No way, because maybe that's a lesson for us. We don't know what's around the corner. We have no idea what's around the corner. We have no idea what God has in store for us. But whilst there is opportunity, we must strengthen ourselves in our homes, in our CYCs. I was at the whole green CYC yesterday uh, on Zoom. Fantastic. These are the opportunities that we must grasp with both hands because we don't know what else God might bring in our lives. So let's not waste time. We have, verse, 70, uh, verse 7, we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. That's lovely, isn't it? It, it reminds me of that verse we said earlier, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So they built and prospered. All they did was to put God first in their lives and God will do the rest. Isn't that lovely? God will do the rest. Somebody once said, if we trust, we won't worry. If we worry, we won't trust. Oh, now, because he's built himself up, because he's built up the city walls, both physically and spiritually in our building up of our daily reading, we don't know what's around the corner. Verse 17, so they built and prospered. So what about his army? Did they sit around allowing their swords to get rusty? Uh, did they not bother practicing with the bow or with the javelin? Did not practice the art of uh, chari char being a charioteer, a charioteer, uh, someone who rides a chariot? Uh, the, the equestrian art of horse riding, did they just not bother anymore? Did they allow their armor? to get uh, dusty and rust. And Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000, and out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows, 204 score thousand. 204 score thousand. And they, all these were mighty men of valor. I think King Asa 
would make a point of making sure that his armed, trained soldiers were ready for what? Well, they were just ready. Yes, but for what? We don't know what challenges might come in our lives. If the Lord remains away, those challenges might be 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years away. If God spares our lives, our challenges might be 40 years away. We don't know what specific challenges they might be. Oh, but after 10 years, here it comes. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots and came unto Marasha. Oh, did you know something? Did you know that that is the largest army that we have the number for in the whole of Scripture? A thousand thousand Ethiopians, a million, well, actually over a million, and three hundred chariots, and came unto Marasha. Over a million, a thousand thousand, a million plus, came to his borders. Oh, too late now. Too late now to start building the wall. <laughs> the cement wouldn't, wouldn't have time to, to dry. Too late to look for your armor. Too late to train in throwing the javelin. Too late. Too late. Oh, but there is something else here. Because ultimately, the battle is the Lord's. Perhaps one day, maybe one day soon, something might happen in our lives and it will be like a, someone has pulled a rug from right under our feet, taken by surprise. But here's a thing, young person, brother, sister, Whoever you are listening, you might be taken by surprise. But God is never taken by surprise. Whatever your challenge, whether it is now or in the future, please, I want you to remember one thing. If you forget everything else that I've said, and I hope you don't. I want you to remember this point, please. And that is that God is never taken by surprise. God knew what you would experience, whether it is now or in the future. God is well aware what the challenge that you have or you will have in the future. God is well aware. God is never, ever taken by surprise. We are. 
Perhaps that can be a comfort in the years to come, in the challenges to come. Perhaps that might help you in the future, perhaps even now. God knew it would happen. Make no doubt, make no mistake. We are taken by surprise. And the encouragement is that God is never taken by surprise. And this number of a million soldiers, the highest recorded number of, of any army in the whole of scripture, teaches us one thing, that God is able to look after us. And there came out against them Zira the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand thousand. Now just go over your page to chapter 16 and verse 8, where the prophet recalls Asa's experience years earlier. Verse 8, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims, Lubims a huge host? That's interesting. The Lubims are not mentioned in verse 9. They're lumped together. Now, the Lubims are the Libyans. Oh, just pigeonhole that in your mind, please. The Ethiopians and the Libyans came against God's people to destroy them. When the land was quiet, a time of peace, a time of rest, Keep that in your minds, please. Verse 10. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephathah at Marasha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. If you are following the Lord Jesus Christ and trying to obey the commandments of God, from time to time in our lives, there will be challenges. The Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he, he receiveth. In other words, that there will be challenges. There will be challenges. And Asa cried unto the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. It's the same word in verse 6. The Lord had given them rest. Verse 1, quiet. Verse 5, quiet. Verse 6, rest. Lord, we rest, we lean on you. It's the same word actually that comes in the days of Hezekiah where it says that the people leaned on the words of Hezekiah. For we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. 
I want to share something with you, which I, when I discovered for myself, I, I found this so, so beautiful. Notice in chapter 14, in verse 8, we have two tribes mentioned. Judah and Benjamin. Notice again in chapter 15 and verse 2, we have the same two tribes mentioned, Judah and Benjamin. Again in chapter 15 in verse 8, Judah and Benjamin. And for good measure, in case you, you miss it, chapter 15 and verse 9. Again, Judah and Benjamin. What was so special? Well, Judah and Benjamin... These were these two great tribes who had come together and King Asa was their king. And they are entering into battle. What could he say to these two mighty tribes, brave men? What could he say to encourage their hearts to go in to this battle this battle with his soldiers outnumbered approximately two to one two to one not a hope in defeating this enemy i'm going to share something with you so get your pencils ready because this is beautiful just imagine that you are King Asa. What could you do to rouse the spirits of these men as they engage in battle? What could you say? What could you say? What could you do? Look closely at verse 11, please. Again. And Asa cried unto the Lord and his, his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. In other words, Lord, you can do anything. With a small number, you can cause them to do great things. It doesn't make any difference to you, Lord. That's a quotation, you know. That quotation is found in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And verse 6, we won't go there, make a note of it, I'm going to read it to you. It was uttered many years earlier by a man. 1 Samuel 14 verse 6, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Who said it? This man was from the tribe of Benjamin. His name was Jonathan. Jonathan and his armor bearer, do you remember? They go up to fight against these Philistines, outnumbered by many to one, and they defeat them. Jonathan from the tribe of Benjamin, oh, he, he was an incredible man of faith. Just the two of them. And they defeated all those Philistines. And that was the prayer of Jonathan from the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, so all the soldiers of Benjamin, when they heard that, that incident that 
Jonathan did all those years earlier, that was legendary, wasn't it? Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And when the, when the soldiers of Asa, who were from the tribe of Benjamin, when they heard that sentence, they thought, oh, that was, we know who said that. That was Jonathan, one of our own. And you can just see them broadening their shoulders, sticking their chests out, ready for the battle. But Asa goes one step further. Verse 11. Help us, O Lord, for we rest, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee, and here comes a second quote. In thy name we go against this multitude, O Lord, Thou art our God. In thy name we go against this multitude. This is, this is good Bible study. Where have I heard that phrase before? This is a quote from a man, again in the Old Testament. This time he's from the tribe of Judah. Who was it? Oh, you beat me to it. You've looked in your margin. 1 Samuel chapter 17. He's quoting the phrase just before David runs to meet the Philistine. 1 Samuel 17. But I come unto thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. In thy name we go against this multitude. Do you see what Asa's done? He quotes David. And now... The soldiers from the tribe of Judah, oh, now they're broadening their shoulders. Now they're sticking their chests out, ready for the battle. And in one, well, rather, in two masterful quotations, King Asa galvanizes his soldiers. He quotes from the man of Benjamin, legendary was Jonathan. He quotes from the tribe of Judah, David, legendary in his life. So what's the lesson here? Be familiar with God's word. Learn your Bible proofs and it will be with you. It will talk with you. It will guide you. It will give you wisdom beyond your years, young people. I promise you that. So whatever the challenge, you can face it. Think of Joshua as he goes into the land. And the words that God speaks to him. Only be thou strong and of a good courage that thou mayest observe to do according unto all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper, margin, that thou mayest do wisely with it, so thou goest. And those, those words we can transpose into our lives. We can lift them and we, we can bring them into, into our lives so that we don't deviate from the right hand or to the left. 
that we might prosper in the things of God. But there is something else, he says, which I think is so important. End of verse 11. Let not man prevail against thee, Lord. The men, let not them prevail against you. Keep a marker there. Come across to Psalm 9. Because this actually is also the prayer of the psalmist. Psalm 9, and we're going in at verse 16. Verse 19, I'm sorry. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Let them know, Lord, Asher is saying, that they're just men. They're not gods. You are the God of all the earth. Let not man prevail. And so that's what God wants. Maybe in this lockdown period, particularly, we've been reminded that we are just humans. We can't solve the problems of the world. Oh, but the Lord Jesus Christ can. Verse 12 of 2 Chronicles chapter 14. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Libyans and Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerah. So they chased them to Gerah. And the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed, broken. Before the Lord and before his host, his army. Is that the army of Asa? Or is that the holy angels? Perhaps it's both. It reminds me of the psalm, remember? The angel of the Lord encampeth round about those that fear him and delivereth them. If we had time, we could look, and those of you who are making notes, make a note, please, of Genesis chapter 32, verse 1 and 2. We're told where the angels of God met Jacob. And he calls that place Mahanaim, which means the camp, or camp within a camp, as it were. So is that saying in Genesis chapter 32, we have the camp of Jacob, and then we have around him God's angels. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about those that fear him and deliver him. Mahanaim. He calls it Mahanaim, a camp, two camps. I think the verse, the margin says, two camps. And that's beautiful, isn't it? Two camps. Jacob's camp and the angel of the Lord encampeth round about. Isn't that lovely? And they carried away, verse 13, and, they, uh, and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. 
Oh, that's interesting. Verse 14, for there was exceeding much spoil. You know, the spoils of war. Anything that they had captured, that they had uh, taken. So think on this, will you please? Remember, remember the, the situation. The Ethiopians this, and, and the, the, the Libyans, the Lubians, had come to destroy Israel, to take a spoil, to capture all the treasures, all the riches. They had come to take a spoil. But actually, now the tables are turned against the Ethiopians and these uh, Libyans because now God's people go out and take a spoil, oh, their spoil that belonged to the Ethiopians and the Libyans. Notice the emphasis, verse 13, to take a spoil. Verse 14, and they smote all the cities round about Gera, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they oh, the fear of the Lord came upon them. In other words, they were terrified about God's people. And they spoiled all the cities. Verse 13, spoil. Verse 14, spoiled. Verse 14, spoil. They smote all the tents of the cattle and carried away sheep and camels in Jerusalem in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. So, so God's people go out, turn the tables, take all the spoil and go back to Jerusalem, huh? the capital city. Oh, now this is interesting. Let's put all this circumstantial evidence together, shall we? God's people, verse 6 of chapter 14, they're at rest. Verse 1, it's quiet. Verse, fifth, verse 5, it's quiet. Verse 6, again, it's at rest. Verse 7, verse seven it's rest. The Ethiopians and the Libyans, the Lubims, come to take a spoil. And they themselves are spoiled. Where have I heard this before? Keep a marker there and come across, please, to Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel. Chapter 38, oh, this is interesting. Ezekiel 38 and verse 5. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. Verse 8, after many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely. Verse 11, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest and that dwell safely. God's people dwelling safely at rest in consummate ease. Were they fortifying themselves spiritually? Verse 12, they've come to take a spoil. What's going on here? Well, if we, this, is for, this is for another time. We see how these patterns repeat themselves in the pages of Scripture. It's beautiful. It's as if these Old Testament circumstances, situations are layered, 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 pointing 
to the ultimate fulfillment of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful, young people? To be excited at what God has left for us. So let's remember, whatever your challenge, God knows and is there to help you. So after this incredible battle, chapter 15, all these soldiers, men from Benjamin, men from Judah, they're buoyed up with excitement, enthusiasm. They see that God has worked in their lives. Oh, ah, but God sent somebody to warn them. Chapter 15 and verse 1, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah. Azariah means Yah has helped. Oh, that's ironic, isn't it? God could have sent anybody, but he sends this particular prophet to meet Asa and to meet all this incredible army who were so excited, so full of what God had done for them, and they were so thankful. And he sends a man whose name means, in case you forget, Benjamin, in case you forget Judah, in case you forget Asa, I'm going to send you a man whose name means God has helped. Oh, do you remember Joshua? His name was Oshia. Oshia means saves. But God changed his name from Oshia to Joshua. God saves. We must be reminded, you understand. And he went out, Azariah, he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah, and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. And if ye seek him, he'll be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Where's that quotation? Who is he quoting? Keep a marker there and go back, please, to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. In 1 Chronicles and chapter 28. Because actually, what's happening is, Asa, I have no doubt, knew his scriptures. He knew his scriptures well. And when that quotation comes, he would have known exactly where that quotation had come from. This quotation was from another man, a man from Judah. Keep a marker in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, and we're going to keep our other marker, other hand, in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Now go back to 2 Chronicles 14, and 2 Chronicles 15, just so we get it in our minds, please. Azariah says, the Lord is with you while you be with him. God is with you if you're with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. If you're with God, God's going to be with you. If you're not with God, he won't be with you. James says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto thee. The closer you want to get to God is the closer he, he wants to get to you. Isn't that beautiful? But my question still, 
Who said those words earlier? Why does he quote them? Go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Now, isn't this masterful? This is what David says to his son Solomon before David dies. Verse 7 of 1 Chronicles 28. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he be constant in the Hebrew margin, in my margin, if he be constant, if he be strong, be constant, be strong to do my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, he says, he looks to his, looks at his son and he says, keep and seek. For all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. Verse 9, here it comes. This is the quotation. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the law, the God of thy father. Not know about him. Know him. And serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Here it comes. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, Solomon, he will cast thee off forever. And those beautiful words are the same words that Azariah, he, he could have said anything. He says, right. Asa, you're good at quoting the men of Judah, uh, the, the man of Judah, David, and you're good at quoting the man of uh, Benjamin, Jonathan. How about this one for the equation? If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. 2 Chronicles chapter 15, with one minute to go because of time. He says, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And everyone thinks, oh, those are the words that David said to Solomon. And he's saying it to Asa. He's saying it to Judah. He's saying it to the Benjamites. And you know what? He's saying it to you now and to me. Pray God that we will want to get closer to God. Get close to him, young people, for he is your life and the length of your days. Amen and amen.